Are you ready for the most informative, well-thought-out hockey podcast on the internet? You are? Sorry. It's just Crown Conversations with your hosts, Robin P. and James Nicholson. Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations. I am your host, Robin, and I'm joined again by James Nicholson. And Robin... I just want to let you know that the Kings look a whole lot like my underwear. Very streaky. As the Kings had a oh, wonderful yeah. six-game winning streak and followed up with a six-game losing streak that we are still in the midst of. And, oh boy, I'm sorry. I have disgusted you as much as the Kings have. <laughs> James, aren't you a little old to be talking about the streaks in your underwear? No, never, never. <laughs> Um, surely your wife is in the other room going, Oh God, why did I marry this man? <laughs> yeah, that's most days, <laughs> most hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The Kings. Um, well, let's jump right into it. A few games ago, Jesse, the host of all the Kings men podcast, he asked, are the Kings good? Now this was in a six game winning streak. And that personally, I was a little hesitant. I mean, a lot of people were like, yes, absolutely. This team is great. I wasn't quite drinking that much Kool-Aid. I was like, let's wait until they lose and then ask this question again. And oh, look, I was right. And I didn't want to be right. (laughs) Yeah, um, it is, uh, I think, frustrating with this team. Because the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And, um, you know, a great way to look at those highs and lows is how bad they are at six on five. Whether they pull the goalie or are playing against an empty net. I I think a really big thing is that the Kings aren't great on Corsi. They are buoyed a lot strictly by their power play. And by the Kopitar, Brown, and Ayafalo line. Um, I, I think if I was to answer if they are a good team, I would tell you they are a good team when Austin Strand is their third-pairing defenseman instead of Oli Mata. Um, I think losing Jared Anderson Dolan didn't make them a better team. I think he made anyone who he was playing with a lot better because... Uh, Carl Grundstrom and Trevor Moore have they've been effective as grinders but they haven't been dangerous and they were dangerous when Jad was centering them and yeah losing those two guys every day uh, has hurt them and you and I are going to I feel like really get into it with this topic of you know just kind of the youth that the Kings have I don't feel like the Kings outside of that top line have a lot of players on the current roster who make the players around them better. And I think a big example of that is Gabe Velarde. I like this comparison in my mind, and you can tell me I'm totally wrong. Um, Skill-wise, he's not quite to where I'm getting to, but it's an analogy. I look at Gabe Velarde a lot like I look at Austin Matthews. He has a lot of skill, and he can shoot the puck. But do I consider him the best player on his line? No. 
And I think we're going to see Gabe Velarde become a lot more effective if he can have a Mitch Marner style player on his wing who can create opportunities for him to be absolutely studly. And maybe the Kings got a little glimpse of that last night with Rasmus Kupari's debut. Because I would love to see Kupari on a line with Gabe Velarde. And I think that would be very fun for the Kings. I, I think... Um, I'm not a coach, obviously, and I'm not the general manager. So I, I don't have a good idea of what's best for this team. I'm just some schmuck with a microphone. But there's too much rotation, in my opinion. You, you get somebody up for two, three, maybe four games at a time, and then they go to the taxi squad, or then they're out the next, like, they, they come up for four games, but they don't actually play the whole time. And it's like, what's the plan? Is there a plan? I genuinely want to know because it nobody seems to act like there's a plan. Like, <clears throat> you know, we, we talked about Drew Doughty and Oli Mata always trying to do do it themselves. And, and that's why they're terrible together because they're always like, no, I'm taking over the game. No, it's me, my turn. And uh, Oli Mata doesn't quite have the skill set that Drew Doughty does in order to get away with taking over the game. But for me, it's just kind of like, what what are you doing with the kids? Do you want to play the kids or not? Uh, I don't know what the conversation between Todd McClellan and Rob Blake is, but it just kind of seems like, well, let's insert guy X here, guy Y goes here, uh, let's play one of these Ontario kids. Hey, you know, this guy's doing really well, let's give him a cup of coffee. Are you rebuilding or are you trying to get to the playoffs? Because you can't have it both ways, and this is a have your cup of coffee, or have your cake and eat it too type of moment for the Kings. And they just kind of seem stuck, and I don't know if they know what they even want. I would say things would be a lot easier if there was not a taxi squad for the Kings. Now, that being said, everyone has to deal with a taxi squad right now. Um, I think they have to have Olimata playing games because they are going to expose him in the expansion draft. Uh, I mean, I think looking at the, you know, the minimum games played, the contracts, all that sort of thing, the Kings are going to need to have some players exposed. I think it's going to be Austin Wagner... Oli Mata and Jonathan Quick, assuming all those guys are on the roster come the summer. Martin Furk was a guy who was going to be exposed in the expansion draft, but he's not going to get the minimum number of games played to be uh, eligible for the expansion draft. So uh, that's the plan. I, and no, I get that, but it, it's just... In terms they, of they, the kids, I they, think they we're seeing seem... something... Oh, go, go for it. Go ahead. I think we are seeing the kids be brought up, given an experience, and then sent back down to be like, hey, cool, these are the things you did well. These are the things you need to work on here at the AHL level to get to that next level, a la Jordan Nolan, Dwight King, Tyler Toffoli, Tanner Pearson, uh, that kind of style. And I, I think 
Kaliev had a, had a good game and it was fun and exciting. And then it's okay, great. Back to the AHL. Here are the things you need to work on. Um, Jared Anderson Dolan, if he was not hurt, would be the everyday fourth line, third line center for the Kings right now. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, Leas Anderson, still wildly inconsistent, but plays hard. Um, I, I think a, another thing is that the Kings just have a lot of players who are inconsistent. Uh, case in point, Gabe Velarde and Adrian Kempe. Um, you can maybe even throw Anthony Seu in there, Blake Lazat. Guys who, hey, they're around and they're doing stuff, but it's just not consistent in terms of production and not every shift looks the same. And uh, it's hard because you're trying to develop consistency and the roster is always changing and lineups are changing pretty consistently. And I, I mean, I, again, I would prefer to see Austin Strand and Kale Clegg up with the team right now. I would prefer to have, you know, Kupari now be with the Kings for the rest of the year. I don't, that's just not what's going to happen because, uh, experience and then COVID and, and this season. And I think all of this is to say the West division is big. The Kings are a team that lacks any size and their biggest player is Kopitar. Like that's just the truth of it. They get bullied by the Minnesota wild. They were effective against the Blues, but still get pushed around by their defensemen pretty, you know, blatantly. They get pushed around by Arizona. Mm, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's it's a matter of size. I think it's a matter of experience and knowing how to utilize your size. Because we've seen it, especially with, um, you know, well, Tampa got big. But they had a lot of smaller players, and they were quite effective. So it, I just think it's <clears throat> they're missing what they're missing is a guy who knows how to i I always say this, but they're missing a Willie Mitchell type of player, the guy who's really smart, the guy who knows how to position himself, how to use his reach. And a guy who, a guy like Willie Mitchell who trained Drew Doughty, because it's not necessarily you're the biggest guy out there. If that was true, they would still have Jordan Nolan and Dwight King and all those other guys. I mean, they, they've had big players in the past. You say they get bullied. I think it's just, they just have a lack of skill on the blue line. Like when Drew Doughty is your best defenseman and I know he's getting paid to be their best defenseman, but like they just haven't really upgraded the skill on the back end for me. And, and like Todd McClellan's system doesn't rely on being big. It's, it's very much a skill, a skill, a skill system that the young players either haven't developed and grown into yet, or the the inconsistency of their 
regular players like Ayafalo and and Kempe, they just aren't quite suited for something that's so heavily skill driven, so fast. I mean, I see McClellan tailoring a lot of things to Adrian Kempe's game to try to make him a consistent player. And it, it's not working. Uh, I see uh, Todd McClellan utilizing the skill that's there on the back end of a lot of guys who can skate well and, you know, be crafty at the offensive end who can make a good pass. I see him utilizing what he has to create that 1-3-1 trap in the neutral zone uh, to force turnovers. I I see a lot of skill on this team. I just don't see it necessarily all working at the same time like it was during the win streak. I Again, like that Willie Mitchell type of player, that's what I saw from Austin Strand. Like he was decisive with the puck at every moment. He had some grit and snarl. Maybe not cross-checking a guy in the neck is the best way to do that. But like, I thought a really, really good player. I, I mean, I'm not saying the Kings savior is Austin Strand. I, in all honesty, I would rather them see them trade for Pittsburgh's Marcus Pedersen because I think he will be available at the deadline. Um, I would rather see a guy like that step in because I think he could be that kind of a player with better mobility. But. We talked about it. Like, why are the games against Minnesota so frustrating? And I, my answer was, every line is two big guys and one really fast guy. Um, you know, the number of times Susie really hammered somebody in front of his net and the Kings didn't respond. When Jerry Anderson Dolan gets hurt against Arizona and no one responds they're going to have to play a lot of games coming up against Vegas and Colorado. And when they get hit hard, because they will in those games, do the Kings respond? I really, at this point, don't think so, unless Curtis McDermott is in the lineup, and then he just fights at the top of the game and then doesn't hold anyone accountable later on. Like, I I, I know you're not a fan of, of big neanderthal fight that's how hockey is don cherry go big canada's um but because it's stupid i understand that it's stupid but there's still something to the game being played by stupid men yes but i we're gonna turn into the washington capitals and the pittsburgh penguins and everybody's gonna say what's wrong with that you're gonna have my issue with those two teams is that Crosby and, and Malkin and Ovechkin, they are low-key dirty guys. And actually, Ovechkin's not even that like, subtle about it. Like, Ovechkin is so dirty. I, I would say uh, Chris Letang is the most low-key dirty guy on the Penguins. Yes, 100%. I don't want to turn into... I don't want the Kings to turn into one of those teams that's so dirty where like everybody just complains. And that's Vegas. Vegas is Vegas is the West Coast Penguins because all they do is trip and cross trek and like it's you know behind the scenes like little dirty moments. Like that's so annoying. 
clean especially that... with that Carrier Reeves line. Oh like... God, yeah, but just like, see, that's the, and then everybody's gonna go. Well, we need Tom Wilson, and then Tom Wilson is gonna take like Brandon Carlo is not a difference maker for the Bruins. No, but yeah, that hit was disgusting. That that's. And then people come out of the woodworks to defend Tom Wilson. Like Frank Saravelli was on Twitter last night going, if you pause it right here, now if you look at this frame, you see yeah. the principal point of contact is not the head. And that's like, okay, first of all, Frank, that's not even the point. Second, you're, you're wrong. But just like you get the retaliation factor and – Slowly but surely, the league has started to move away from that. Very slowly. But they kind of... They're like a fat kid on a diet. They see chocolate cake and they say, I'm not supposed to have chocolate cake, but that chocolate cake is staring at me. Well, maybe if I just have one piece of the chocolate cake, it won't hurt. And then they end up eating the whole damn chocolate cake. It's, yeah. It's... <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. But the Kings... I mean, Dwight... King hardly fought when he was with the Kings. Um, he had the one scrap against Reeves in the in the sweep of St. Louis in 2012. But um, I like that size helped them. He was good on the forecheck. Should he have been playing on the first line? No. But I, I think it, it goes to that thing I'm talking about. The only line with size is Kopitar Brown and Ayafalo. And that is why their line does good. Now, Velarde and Carter are, are big guys, but Velarde doesn't know how to use his size. He is more focused on stick handling the puck two or three extra times and getting into trouble if he's on the four check. Um, you know, and I was super impressed by Kupari in his debut because, I mean, there was one play in the third period where it was like him against Robert Bortuzzo. And Bortuzzo is a very physical defenseman. And Kupari leveraged his size, leveraged his center of gravity, took a hit, spun off it, made a great play, had everyone think he was going to break out of the zone one way, and then reversed it one way and gave Olimata clear ice to not turn over the puck to exit the zone. And like, super impressed by him. Like, I'm fine with guys who can utilize their size in an appropriate way. I am not fine when we have size, but no one wants to utilize it and make a play with it. I, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. It's you might not be necessarily right. yeah. size. It's, it's the skill and knowing how to use what you're given, knowing how to use the tools in your box appropriately. Yes. I know McClellan is doing his best to tailor the game to everybody on a more individual level, but um, maybe he's not the best coach to, to bring it out for everybody. I don't know. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying the Kings should fire him or anything. I'm absolutely not saying that at all. I'm just maybe for this particular instance, he's not the right coach to lead this team. Who is? I don't know. Maybe we should bring back Daryl Sutter. Oh, but we can't because <laughs> he's back in Calgary, baby. Oh, my Woo! God. I... James, what year is it? Oh, it's 2003. 
<laughs> it's 2003. I saw Everyone's the news. mad about something. <laughs> I saw the news and I immediately texted you. I'm going, what year is it? I had to double check that the year on the tweet said 2021. I was like, no, no, no. But it's not 2021. This is from 2003, right? You're just trolling us, right? Yeah, no. And like, I'm looking, okay. I'm going to go off on a, on a rant here about why I love this for Calgary. Obviously Sutter loves Mark Giordano. Like that's his dude. That's his guy who he signed as an undrafted player, kind of like Austin Strand. And then, you know, he obviously has a good relationship with Milan Lucic, but that North division, that all Canada division, it is offense only. And you don't have the firepower to keep up with a Montreal, with a Toronto, especially a Toronto or an Edmonton, uh, even like Ottawa can put up a ton of goals. Okay, you can compete with Vancouver because they're dog barf. That's fine. But like, there are a lot of very young defensemen with Noah Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, uh, Yuso Valamaki, Oliver Kylington. Like, those guys are going to exceed under Daryl Sutter's very boring strangulation hold form of, of hockey. I like guys like Andrew Mangiapane and Josh Levo and Brett Ritchie and uh, Sam Bennett playing in that system. And of course, Sean Monahan is going to do great in that system because he's so good at the back check. Um, now, here's a fun thing. I'm, I'm just Johnny Goudreau like playing for Daryl Sutton? Probably not. No, absolutely not. Johnny Goudreau, he's... Let's just say that his defense is not the best part of his game. And defense is everything in, in Sutter's system. <laughs> I know you're shocked at that revelation, James. <laughs> I can't. Huh. <laughs> I can't. Huh. Oh. Oh. I've caught the vapors. <laughs> there are plenty of times when his lack of defense makes, is made up for in offense when he's skating literal circles around the Kings and making all of them look silly because they're still looking for their underwear. Because they're looking yeah. for the streaks in your underwear, James. That's right. That's right. The Kings love my underwear. <laughs> but I... Oh. This conversation is a little inappropriate now. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. I'm not. Um, anyways, yes. Uh, also, Matthew Thachuk being in a Daryl Sutter system just seems disgusting. Um, um, oh, he's going to thrive and everybody's going to hate him all that much more. Oh. Yeah, but uh, supposedly uh, a lot of people in the room are very sick of Matthew Thachuk and his antics. Uh <laughs> And maybe he's turning into a bit of a Sean Avery type who really divides the room and is seen as being selfish with his on-ice antics. I... That's because Matthew, for some reason or another, the Caps really love Tom Wilson and Tom Wilson's ability to decapitate people with a flying elbow and DOPS to say, well, he put his, he, he lowered his head into Tom Wilson's elbow. So, you know, it's, it's not Tom Wilson's fault, but I don't know. I mean, Matthew Kachuk just doesn't seem to have the same amount of love that the guys like 
Chris Letang and Wilson get? We can watch our old friend who we love very much, Jake Muzzin, when he flips that puck at the Chuck and the Chuck freaks out. <laughs> and then that's funny. My favorite thing about it is like he is like trying to beat up a water bottle. And you can almost see the eye rolls from every other Flames player like, oh, God, again with this kid. Um, I think it might be really interesting to see how explosive Sutter versus the Chuck could be. It's either it, it is either going to be immediate love or immediate hate. And I I am excited to see how that pans out. Um, speaking of immediate love and immediate hate, uh, Jack Eichel in Buffalo and oh. uh, according to speaking of selfish assholes. Hey, <laughs> that's a good bleep. Um, speaking of everyone in Canada, all the athletic reporters, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Jack Eichel at some point next year either ends up with the New York Rangers or the L.A. Kings. Now, the Rangers make sense, especially with his college coach, uh, Dave Quinn, coaching the Rangers. Um do you at all like the idea of the Kings trading for Jack Eichel? On paper, it kind of makes sense. Because then you can play Kopitar and Eichel down the middle as 1A, 1B. And then you can put Carter either on Eichel's wing or have him switch over to center as necessary. So on paper, it kind of makes sense but Kopitar's never going to be 1B I, I don't think Eichel's ego can handle that honestly like all the stories that come out is that Eichel has a massive e- like you think Tom Brady has a has a big ego like Eichel somehow has a bigger ego than Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Eichel hasn't won shit like man Eichel you are fired been- up today <laughs> Eichel has been in charge of essentially the Buffalo roster when he had no, he's like the GM is catering to him. Like he got the coach fired and everybody in Buffalo is bowing down to Eichel. Why? Just because he's a good player. Why does he get to be King? Because the Pagulas are bad at running their team. (laughs) Well, yes, but (laughs) yeah. Um, In all honesty, if you're talking about the culture, which uh, Rob Blake is big on in a very low-key manner. I don't think Jack Eichel fits with the Kings. Um, I don't either. Like, I, I don't see them training a Byfield and or Turcotte and or Velarde and or Kaliev uh, for Eichel and that really paying off for them long-term. Like, the guy can score. Like, in his career, he's played 373 games. He has 353 points. Like, he's about a point-a-game player. Um, Obviously, this year, he only has two goals. But on that terrible Buffalo team, he still has 16 points in 19 games. Like, that's pretty darn impressive. You know, last year, he had... Gosh, he had 78 points in 68 games last year. Like, he is a top-tier player. Um... I don't know if he works for the Kings. 
um, in terms of what they want to accomplish. I think it could be a lot more interesting if in the summer the Flames trade Johnny Goudreau for Jack Eichel for Daryl They Sutter. love Johnny Goudreau. Uh, they've, I mean, the last like three seasons they've been talking about trading him. Yeah, but that's um, like there's always the, for some reason every single team always has one star player that his name ends up in the rumor mill. Like Kopitar's had his name in the rumor mill. Um, the Golden Knights are apparently trying to trade Max Pacioretty, even though they just signed him to an eight-year deal. Like everybody always has that one player for some reason or another. His name always ends up in the rumor mill. Now I'm going to throw out a comparison for you. Does Jack Eichel remind you a lot of Jeremy Roenick? Oh my god. <laughs> Personality wise, absolutely. Ability Still... to score wise? <laughs> no, he's way better than Jeremy Roenick. <laughs> well, um Jeremy Ro- well, I guess Jeremy, Jeremy Roenick... Roenick was considered good, but I only yeah. remember him from when he was bad and everybody well, hated sure. him. But a uh, Jeremy Roenick type did go to the Stanley Cup final uh, with Daryl Sutter as his coach. You know what I would actually like to see? I would like to see Eichel try to take on Daryl Sutter. I want to see who can be the bigger asshole. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm all in on this now. Freaking Eichel to Calgary. Like, no, give it to no. Them. No, we don't want the when the divisions go back to normal next year. We don't want Michael in our division. Stop it, James. Stop trying to make the other teams around us better. You're not the boss of me. Um, you're not my dad. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Like, yes, I. It would be fun just from the outset. Um. But man, a one A one B of freaking Jack Eichel and then Sean Monahan—that'd be pretty filthy for Calgary. Um, and then, then they can truly compete against Edmonton in that division. In yeah, that but rivalry. Edmonton still can't, for whatever reason, in the last ten years, Edmonton still has not managed to put together a competent defensive squad. I don't know Darnell why. Darnell Nurse is having a really good year. He's one person, though. He can't be. Oh, I know that. Like, just like McDavid, like, they they cannot be on the ice at all times. And for some reason, the rest of the team seems to fall apart when they're not on the ice. Well, sure. Yeah, that is, that is very true. Um, uh, they'll get, they'll be better when Oscar Clefbaum comes back, too. Yeah, that's true. Like he's been hurt all year. Um, yes, they're bad, and it's fun that Edmonton's bad with the best player in the world. That is. Whoa, nice. are you taking Crosby's crown from him? I am spicy today. You are. You're fired <laughs> up, man. What's in that Costco water bottle? Um, I don't know. <laughs> something fun. Um. Okay. Yeah, uh, trade deadline's coming up as well. 
Um, I think a lot of the, the rumor is it's not going to be a very active trade deadline across the league, especially with any, you know, across border trade. There's going to be a 14 day uh, quarantine period for any players crossing the border. That will obviously impact things drastically. Is there anyone that comes to mind that you think the Kings should be looking at trading for or trading away? It's really hard because of COVID and because they are so inconsistent. So I I think they need... It really depends on what Rob Blake is willing to trade away and how patient he's willing to be. Um, they have Quinton Byfield stashed away in the AHL for now. He's back and healthy for the moment, but I believe he has to go back to uh, the OHL mm-hmm. next year yes. because because he'll be um, 19. So he has to go back for his 19-year-old season. So do you hold out for one more year to see what Quinton Byfield's got? Or do you trade? I mean, because that's... I'm sure he learned a lot from Lombardi. Because this was also kind of... They're starting to get into that point where Lombardi kind of had to balance patience with the need to upgrade the roster. Oh, Mm -hmm. and because we're talking about the trade deadline, guess what the anniversary was yesterday? or Dustin Penner trade? No. Marion Gaverick. Or spare parts. <laughs> Actually, it was. I think it was like on March third or something. But yeah. Marion Gabrick was traded to the Kings for Matt Fratton, a second and a third. And I don't think those guys panned out for Columbus. But that's a different story. That's that's uh, <laughs> Yarmo being questionable at his job. Wasn't that before Yarmo though? I don't know. Now I have to look this up. You look it up. Yeah. I don't feel like doing it. I have too many tabs open already. I don't um, care. <laughs> I mean, I don't care to look it up. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, same. Um, anyways, if I'm the Kings, there are two players who I look at right now who I really want. And I already mentioned one, Marcus Pedersen with Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh, they have Brian Dumoulin. I think today, March 6th, he's coming off of injured reserve. They have a lot of young defensemen. They have John Marino. They just picked up Mark uh, Friedman. Uh, they made that terrible trade for Mike Matheson and his gigantimous contract. Uh, which, oh, they, yeah. And, you know, they have some young guys waiting in the wings. Uh, Pierre, uh, Olivier, Joseph. Um, yeah. So if know, I'm the Kings. I would probably look at another stock at a la Matt Fratton, like a bunch of these guys who just came through, who are just here to kind of fill the seat until the young kids are ready. That's kind of what I would be looking at. I don't know who would be available um, and, you know, what the contract situation would be, but I think that's probably their best course of action. Patterson's 24. The rumor is Rob Blake wants a 25 or under defenseman who can play the left side. Okay. I, I think Pedersen fits that role great. 
I think if you're looking at that stopgap kind of a guy who maybe has some upside, hey, hey, if he's a happy surprise for the Kings and can stick, great. If not, he can just eat up some tough minutes on a year where maybe things aren't going great for them. I would look to Buffalo at Casey Middlestat. Hmm. Um, he's only 22. I mean, I'm still in love with him after that wonderful, I mean, really great world junior performance he had in uh, 2018. Um, and he's a guy who I really, it just sucks. He plays for Buffalo. I feel like, um, because I think he's a guy who could, who can really play well. And I mean, it would be fun to see if he could do anything for the Kings. And if not, that's kind of a low, low risk trade that they make. Um, I like I think, it. I, I think I think Buffalo is souring on middle stat. So, yeah. Well, who hasn't Buffalo soured on in the last, I don't know, two years? You know what? Maybe they sour on Rasmus Dahlin and we can have oh. him. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Rasmus Dahlin. Everyone uh, would love Rasmus Speaking of Buffalo, um, <laughs> and he has a really enormous contract, Jeff Skinner. He's not a buy low, um, low risk, potentially high reward player. He's no. got a nine million AAV contract, and I think he's got like four more, no, six more years left. Something like six or seven more yeah. years left on that contract. Do you take a Do you take a flyer? Do you at least kick the tires? I mean, it kind of feels a lot like Jeff Carter playing for Columbus, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah uh, well uh, so what i've heard about jeff skinner is that he's incredibly streaky yeah i i don't know if the kings need another incredibly streaky player on their roster like literally the only guy who has ever been consistent in his whole career is kopitar yeah yeah that's very true i i, I it's it's too much money for not enough uh, to go after him. I, I just like when I look at at Buffalo, like if you want to give us your first round pick so we take his cap hit off your plate, okay, maybe there's something there. Of course, this year's draft is going to be extraordinarily weird, and I think probably the 2022 draft picks are going to be uh, valued more by teams. Um, do you take a package deal of $18 million AAV between Eichel and Skinner? Because some people think that if you do that, they, they kind of, that Jeff Skinner is the, you know, um, is, is a test balloon. And, and if you, and maybe they throw him in to kind of get Eichel or like they throw, it's some kind of weird package deal with Eichel, like um, just to get rid of those contracts, essentially. I mean, oh my gosh. Like, you have to retain half of Jeff Skinner's contract at the very least. You have to take the four and a half million on for the length of the contract. And then maybe, I mean, they're going to want like Velarde and or Kupari and or Turcotte and or Kaliev. No GM worth his salt would actually hold back four and a half million dollars for more than 
maybe one or two years. No, maybe. I know that. But is the Buffalo GM worth his salt? Which I believe is Kevin Adams. Yes. Um, Kevin Adams seems like he's got that job because, hey, you're around. Um, <laughs> you're the one guy we haven't fired yet. Um, yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I that roster with Buffalo is so frustrating. Because not only is Jeff Skinner garbage this year, so is Kyle Ocaposo, who makes $6 million a year for two years after this. You have Taylor Hall on the one-year deal. He's garbage. Eric Stahl not playing great. Sam Reinhart not playing great. You have Cody Eakin, who has like two points this year. Like Colin Miller and Rasmus Ristolainen and Brandon Montour, nothing happening there on the back end. You've got Matt Irwin playing a lot, which is never a good sign. They, they're just that. That is a roster of underachievement, and uh, yeah, it, it's bad. It's bad in Buffalo. I was and, gonna say they kind of remind me of the Leafs in that on paper they're so good, but then you put them all on the ice together and they're just a tire fire. Well, maybe not this year, but it, it like last year for sure. Okay, maybe more like the the Oilers. They're the Oilers yeah. of the East, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just, my gosh, that is what a disaster <laughs> they are. I don't, I don't know. Like everything is just, I don't know. I mean, you know, do you go a one for one deal to trade Anthony Sayu for Taylor Hall to try to get some more scoring down the wing? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I know they brought in Athanasiu just so that he could be um, fodder for the um, the expansion draft, but... Well, I... he's on a one-year deal, so he doesn't even count. Well, well, they'll probably re-sign him or something. Well, he's... I guess he might have just been another warm body, but... Aside from his inability to score consistently, I like Athanasiu. I'm I'm surprised to say it, but I think he's good. He's not like the big guy who will clear up space for you, but he's he's creative. He's really he's a he creates he's kind space of underrated. by his speed. He creates space by his speed. Yeah, that's what yeah. Kempe was originally supposed to do, but Kempe sort of forgot that. I think. Yes, he did. Very much so. Sometimes I think that Kempe forgets the tools that he has. It's like you're actually a, a pretty decent hockey player, Kempe. You, you know that you were a first round pick for some reason, uh, but reason. yeah, uh, like that's the deal with Kempe is that like if I'm a scout, I am so frustrated by him because he <laughs> had he can do everything, but he never puts it together on a, any given night. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's six two, two oh eight. Like that's a big body, or two oh one. That's a big body. He doesn't play with any sort of size. Um, well, that's. He, I mean, that's kind of the European style, though. It's it's that they don't really. They're not as much into the hard hitting style as North American. I'm not saying that's necessarily well, bad. Tell I'm Carl just... Grundstrom that. Well, Carl Grundstrom <laughs> is trying to fit into a role because when he first came to the Kings, he wasn't doing that either. And until Todd McClellan sat him down and had a heart-to-heart conversation with him, and then suddenly he's out there hitting everything that moves. 
No, when he was with the Toronto Marlies in the AHL, he was their their make a big hit to change momentum guy. Um, didn't play that way when he first came to LA. No, he didn't. Uh, I think he played a little bit scared, and then he found a few goals and said, "Am I this player?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. It, it, it's. Can we just talk about how nice it is to see Mikey Anderson be really nice and consistent, though? Yeah, you know, for the lack of consistency, I think our frustration is the lack of consistent goal scorers. Yes. But Mikey Anderson, and I was actually really surprised and impressed with Austin Strand because mm-hmm. they were really consistent players. You knew exactly what you were going to get out of them day in and day out. That's not to say they were perfect and they never made mistakes because they did. And mm-hmm. there were occasions where Mikey Anderson would get caught puck watching because he'd be like, oh, there's the play yeah. behind me. But I've pointed this out before. I mean, veteran Jeff Carter has also had those moments where he's caught uh, puck watching and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. the play was behind <laughs> me. <laughs> so... You know, I think he's the perfect pairing for Drew Doughty because Drew Doughty is sort of, he's a, to use a soccer term, he's a striker. Yeah. And I think he needs somebody consistent back who he can rely on. Somebody who is a little bit more agile than Big Rig. The one thing I've really enjoyed with Mikey Anderson is that he doesn't panic. Um, You know, Austin Strand never seemed panicked with the puck. Um, Matt Roy does not seem panicked. Um, Tobias Bjornfoot in the first period will always have one or two shifts where he is absolutely panicked and then settles down. But I mean, I, I'm I'm pleased with Bjornfoot's play. Yeah. I'm very pleased with Anderson's play. Uh, I liked Kale Clegg when he was with the team. I liked Austin Strand when he was with the team. Um, Sean Walker... It's nice having him in the lineup. I, I just really having Walker and Mata as a parent, it, it hurts. <laughs> it really does. And <laughs> like, I, I would I love just, to see Walker back with, um, with I would Roy. take him back with, I would take him back with freaking McDermott. Like that. Pairing that was the low key, like good pairing. It shocked me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take because that pairing over Mata. But. I think it was you who mentioned this, but you were like, they kind of flip-flop in their roles a little bit, which is yeah. funny because you don't think of Curtis McDermott as a guy who can play a skill game, but he can when you have Walker back there protecting him and being all gnarly. And that was sort of the thing that made them successful with Ontario because Mm -hmm. Mike Stuthers would do that a lot because um, um, Sean Walker kind of has this little bit of snarl to his game. And he absolutely... Yeah. I was just going to say, he usually brought it out whenever they played the goals. And so Walker has this great little snarl well in the AHL it was fun to watch he has this little snarl to his game and he'd always be up there and and I'm gonna sound so white when I say this but he was like oh he was always up in everybody's grill or in their Mm -hmm. kitchen as the colloquial hockey term is Mm -hmm. no it's it's true and like (sighs) we have to suffer through a year of of Olimata like that's 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 the unfortunate truth Hope 
he gets taken in the expansion draft. If he isn't, they can buy him out. Um, he's, you know, three and a third million against the cap. Split that up over a couple of years. It's not worse than the FNIF buyout. And the Kings still have plenty of room to make a signing and, and to try to do some things. Um, like, it's really hard because I feel like Sean Dursey is already an Olimata, but maybe is less panicky. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, obviously, things with the rain are not going well this year. Um, well, um, and <laughs> oh. that's and that's that's a thing where I mentioned earlier the taxi squad threw a wrench into it. Like, if the rain were able to have their full complement of players and consistently, you know, not having to shuffle guys up to the taxi squad, maybe things are a bit easier for the rain this year. Maybe, but they. They're very much like their parent club in that they are horrendously streaky and they are um, very, they are consistently inconsistent. It was maddening to watch them last year. And the worst part for the, I mean, okay, this is going to sound trivial, but the worst part of COVID happening, and I, and I don't mean to trivialize all the people (laughs) who were sick and who, you know, who lost their lives, unfortunately, Robin, just, just admit you're an anti-masker. Okay, I admit it. I fully admit it. <laughs> I'm out here moving myself to Texas so that thanks to... Go- okay, we're not going to go there. Uh-huh. But what I'm saying is, timing-wise, it really sucked for the rain because they were finally, finally starting to get into a groove. Yes. Uh, because they spent the first half all the way from, I guess, October through December... Um, just they'd win one, lose three, win two, lose five, win five, lose 10, maybe not 10, but you know, it's the one step forward, two steps back with the rain and Stellar's had at least outwardly very much a lot of patience. And I was like, I don't know how you're not screaming at these guys every night. Of course, Stellar's thing is like, I'm here if you want me to be here, but it's up to you to be a professional. I love Southers, if I haven't yeah. made that pretty clear. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, so I talked to one of the Mikeys, Mikey Asimont, last year back in February. So right before they shut down all sports. He was saying that it's buy-in. So Southers has a plan and it's up to you if you want to buy into this plan. And something just started clicking in late December and they're like, okay, I think we get it. So I don't know if it's that this year's rain squad isn't buying in with Rebluski. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Who knows? <laughs> With the new AHL coach, or if it's just they have a lot of consistently inconsistent players. I mean, Turcotte was he was inconsistent in college too. Um, Leas Anderson, I think he's back with Ontario, and he's been inconsistent his whole career. Mm-hmm. I know consistency is difficult to come by in pro sports. It's just kind of the nature of the beast, but it's, it's just kind of like. The rain, or they take it to a new level. Yeah, they do. And, I mean, 
I mean, if you want to look at anyone who's, well, he's been consistently not not a factor. It's um, Alex Turcott, but even someone like Aiden Dudas or Akil Thomas, like, or uh, or Sodergren, like, man, you get flashes and then a bunch of nothing. And I think really the only two guys who have been consistent for the rain up front have been Tyler Madden and Rasmus Kupari. Um, and even still, you know, Tyler Madden, oh, he only has four points in 11 games. That's not great, but I think he's also kind of one of those guys who keeps like having shots hit the post and creates fast breaks for other guys who then don't score on them. Um, what about um, Samuel Fagamo? Because I think he's been also one of their more consistent players. Um, but he's never going to wow you with his offense. Well, he has that occasional highlight reel goal. I mean, he's playing pretty well. He's got four goals and three assists in 11 games. Um, he's a minus six, but so is everyone on that team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's played well. Byfield's played fine. Um, you know, I, I think it's just... Man, like I'm looking at that defense, and like, I mean, well, okay, Austin. You guys are up with the Kings. Yeah, but like the guys who've been there all year with like Marcus Phillips, Jordan Spence, Cole Holtz, and Jacob Moverar, not a ton of size there. No, um, all of them I are think... pretty good skaters. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it's there's something. I think they were hoping to see more out of Moverar and Brickley. Um, Brickley, yeah. I think, because he was sort of a, I don't want to say a prized free agent, but like yeah. once he, after college, it was like, oh, they, they could land this guy. And he chose the Kings. And I don't know. He just hasn't quite lived up to the college hype. And Jordan Spence, I don't know if they ever really expected anything out of him. Marcus Phillips. I mean, they have a really young defense. Yeah, and it looks Boston. like it looks like Spence hasn't even drawn into a game with Ontario yet, um, which yeah. is fine. I mean, he's he's really small and has a very unique uh, kind <laughs> of development path. Um, Japan by way of Australia to Canada. Um, but like, I mean, Marcus Phillips, we know he's a stay at home defenseman. And, you know, no points over nine games, but for that defense to only be a minus three, he might as well be plus five on another team. <laughs> um, you know, I saw something interesting from Mayor's Manor. So take this for mm-hmm. what it's worth because of the source. But Kale Clegg has been the biggest disappointment for the Kings down in Ontario. That's that's his opinion. He, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's speaking on behalf of the Kings or sources or whatever. Um he said, according to Mayor's Manor, John Hoven tweeted that he felt like Kale Clegg was playing like he's waiting for the Kings to, to call him back up instead of playing like they have no other choice. And I thought that was really interesting because um, Kale Clegg, he was pretty decent in the NHL, but mm-hmm. this happens a lot with the, I'm sure it happens a lot with all AHL players who have been they get that taste of they mm-hmm. get their first cup of coffee and they're like, give me more caffeine. I need more caffeine. Mm-hmm. But then they go back to having like caffeine free tea and they're going, I don't like this. And I want tea. <laughs> I want coffee. You know, um, I, I get it. 
I get it with Kale Clegg. I mean, he's he's put in a lot of work to develop his game. Um, I mean, I remember hearing an interview a few years ago with Sean O'Donnell, where like he had to sit in a in a classroom, and it was just the two of them watching film of Nick Lidstrom and Sean O'Donnell being like, "All right, this is how you can do this in your game. This is what I want to see from you." And one of the really great things, I don't know if you listen to the All the Kings podcast with Rob Blake. Um, he, the rain might not be showing up well on the ice, but they have classwork every day. Like they have to sit in a classroom with Matt Green or with Jarrett Stoll or with Sean O'Donnell every day and learn how to be a king, which I love. I love so much. Um, (laughs) Sorry. I think it's a little lame. (laughs) Hey, you know what? That's fine. You can think it's as lame as you want. These are still kids who are trying to transition to adulthood. Okay. And it's nice to have mentorship. Mentorship. Okay. Um, I I get that. Um, I mean, I just think like putting it in more of the traditional classroom setting is a little bit. If these kids were playing professional hockey, they'd be in a college classroom right now. Most of them, yeah. Like, I I honestly see it as a water birth into the NHL and professional hockey. They're easing the transition. Oh, Uh, God. Man, I am just full of the grossest (laughs) analogies today. (laughs) I I hope your wife never talks to you about birthing methods. I'm actually the one who brings it up more often. Oh, my Uh, God. She's probably like, James, Stop. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> what a saint of a woman your wife is. All right, oh, well, let's wrap sure. this up and stop talking about your personal life and your disgusting uh, metaphors. So mm-hmm. um, we didn't really get into analytic heavy things today. That's okay. We'll do another stabbed in the heart, whatever it was your comment that you made mm-hmm. before, you know, the heavy metal band. Um, so we'll do that. I think we should probably do it when they've played more than 25 games. I know it's hard because like the Kings are super inconsistent and I don't think it's going to change and they're only playing. Once they get to 28 games, that's halfway through the season. And I think that's a good spot to, to talk about some analytics. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to add in real quick? Before we wrap this up, uh, I am a very lucky man to be married to my patient and beautiful wife. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today, James. Or uh, no, Robin. Thanks, Robin. I've been your <laughs> host, James. This has been another episode of Crown Conversations, and we will see you again for another stabbed in the heart with the numbers. Yeah. Well, not see you, but we'll talk to you again. So yeah. All right. Bye, folks. Bye.